And thank you, Elin, for reading our passage. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, before we dive in, I just want to uh, just give a personal word of, uh, of thanks. Um, Melanie and I so enjoyed just all the Christmas cards we received this year and the many gifts. Um, one in particular was a Back to the Future coffee tumbler because I, I, I mentioned Back to the Future so much in my sermons that somebody felt compelled to give me a coffee mug with Back to the Future on it. That was awesome. So thank you. Uh, thank you for your gifts. It, man, we feel, we feel loved and um, we're just grateful for you. Um, so as, as Zach mentioned a few minutes ago, we kind of start the year circling back to what we think are some just core, um, core disciplines, some core habits um, for our faith. Um, and so last week, Brett um, preached on the topic of prayer. And this week, uh, this morning, we're going to be focusing on uh, the topic of Scripture. You know, we live, we, we live in a world of voices. And we are inundated with voices and messages. Messages about everything, right? Especially at the start of the year, right? New year, new you. Messages about what to eat and what to wear and what to buy and, and how to think and how to vote. And how to live the good life. Did you know that the average American spends seven hours and four minutes a day in front of a screen? Of that time, about three hours of that is, is devoted to, to television. And about two hours and 27 minutes of that time is spent on social media. Those statistics are jarring. And yet I'm a participant in this, right? 49 hours a week of Facebook conspiracy theories and news channels that spin everything toward their political narrative. Even sports and entertainment programs that subtly aim to shape the way that we think and the way that we feel and the way that we act. There, there are voices everywhere telling us what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's bad, how we need to diet, telling us what we need to do, the movements we need to align ourselves with, who to vote for, how to think. There are thousands of voices aiming to constrain your conscience and control your life. And if you're not able amidst all of these competing voices to discern the voice of truth, you're going you're gonna to get pulled this way and that way in the cultural tempest. It's going to happen. The Apostle Paul imagined this reality as a young child in a boat in a giant storm getting tossed to and fro by what he called every wind and wave of doctrine. Author Brett McCracken says, In the internet age, believers have more opportunities than ever to wander in all sorts of directions after voices they don't know, who don't know them, can't take care of them, and in many cases turn out to be wolves. Professor Sinclair Ferguson makes an insightful observation about our, our present day. 
He says, we are living in a world where instead of learning, young people are taught to have opinions. He explains that over the years that he's taught in seminary, he's observed a noticeable downgrade in his students' ability to write. He says their writing has gotten worse because his argument is that nowadays, in place of compelling arguments, people are taught to have opinions. We're taught to have opinions about everything. And he says what that transformation in society is doing is producing a nation of people who talk but hardly ever truly listen. And isn't this the world we find ourselves in? A nation full of people talking or TikToking at each other and over each other. Everyone wants to voice their opinions. Everyone wants to express themselves. Everyone wants to tell, quote, their truth, but hardly anyone is truly listening. Millions of voices just clamoring to be heard. And we find ourselves in the cross, cross section of all of that. And John 10, 10 comes to us. And this, this chapter of, of John chapter 10 comes to us with a question. Are you listening? In the first century, the people Jesus was speaking to were quite familiar with seeing and smelling sheep and shepherds on a daily basis. And so Jesus uses this relationship, he uses this metaphor of, of sheep and shepherds to appeal to the importance of listening for the voice of the good shepherd. In the ancient Near East, shepherds would, would bring their flocks often to a central uh, sheepfold in the evenings. And there would be sometimes a half a dozen flocks in the same sheep pen that were all guarded by a gatekeeper behind locked doors. And in the morning, the shepherds would come and return to their, to their sheep, and they would call their sheep to follow them. And although there were several flocks mingled together, each flock knew the voice of its own shepherd. And so each would, would follow the voice of the shepherd, but it wouldn't follow another voice. And Jesus here says in John 10 verse 3, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. From early in life, lambs were introduced to the voice of the shepherd so that they knew it well. They were familiarized with the shepherd's voice so that they could recognize him when he called. And so that even amidst competing voices, they knew his intonation. They knew the tone of his voice. They recognized him, and they would only follow him. I've watched this parable play out in a different arena, not with sheep and shepherds, but with children and their mothers. At my former church, in our location, we had a downtown location. We kind of renovated a warehouse, and, and what that meant was that the, the, the children's area was directly adjacent to the worship area, and there was only a, a thin door separating the two. And so there would be these moments when that door would open during worship. And when that door opened, you would sometimes hear a crying child, and immediately every mother's ears would perk up. 
And within seconds, from 40 feet away, you'd see this single mother stand up and begin to make her way quickly to the children's area because she recognized that crying scream. She knew that it was her child because moms know the unique cry of their kids. And so here's the question for us this morning. Do you know Jesus' voice like that? Do you know the voice of Jesus the way the, a, a mother knows the cry of her child, the way the sheep recognize the voice of the shepherd? How well do you know the voice of Jesus? We need a familiarity with the voice of Jesus amidst all of the voices inundating our lives, amidst all of the articles and podcasts and online advice for your life, amidst all of the opinions and self-appointed experts, are you able in all of that clamor and, and clatter to, to recognize the voice of Jesus? Can you distinguish his voice from other voices? There are a lot of people in our world claiming to speak for God. Can I just tell you that every voice claiming to speak for God ain't him? You know, what's interesting in the context of John chapter 10 is that Jesus is actually offering this, this extended metaphor right on the heels of John chapter 9 where he heals, a, he heals a blind man and the Pharisees are mad about it because he did it on the Sabbath. I love how Dale Bruner characterizes the Pharisees. He called them the serious party. These guys were serious about their faith, and they knew the Bible well. But they missed the forest from the trees, man. Because the whole Bible was about Jesus. And here they are mad at Jesus, who is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets who is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's the rest that people were looking for, and they're upset with him because he healed a blind man on the Sabbath. Jesus is telling this entire parable about a group of people who would have called themselves shepherd, and what Jesus is saying is, no, you're thieves and hired hands. Just because somebody is talking Bible, just because somebody is talking religiously, doesn't mean they're speaking for God. We need to have ears to hear the voice of Jesus. It's become somewhat of a cliche illustration, but it's, it's been said before that, that the number one way that government agents can, can identify counterfeit money is not by studying the fakes. They spend hours and hours actually intimately acquainting themselves with, with real currency. They know the minute details of, of, of what the bills look like. And so they can usually spot a fake quite easily because they know the real so well. And Jesus is saying something similar here in our passage this morning. He says, the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. They recognize the shepherd's voice. They know it so intimately that when a different voice comes along calling them, they don't follow it because they don't even recognize it. And so this is the question for us this morning. How can you and I know which voice is the voice of truth? How can we recognize and discern the authentic? How can we familiarize ourselves with the voice of Jesus? 
Jesus would go on a few chapters later and he would tell his disciples in John chapter 16. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus is telling his disciples that the Holy Spirit was going to come. And and that when the Holy Spirit came, he would take his words, the words of Jesus, and he would revoice them to his disciples. And so the immediate meaning of of what Jesus is saying is that the Holy Spirit was going to remind the disciples of what Jesus said and taught when he departed from them, that the Spirit would guide them into the truth by redeclaring the message of Jesus to them. But here's the cool thing. Those words that the Spirit revoiced to the disciples are the very words that we're reading this morning. So when we read the Bible, we're actually reading the Holy Spirit uttered words of Jesus. The Apostle Paul would write to Timothy and And tell Timothy, he says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Paul tells Timothy that the words of Scripture are the inspired words of God. Theopneustos, literally God, God breathed. The, the Bible is the breath of God in written form so that when we read the Bible, the voice of Jesus speaks to us. The same spirit that took what was Christ and declared it to the disciples illuminates the truth of the scriptures in our hearts. He takes what is Jesus and he declares it to us. And so here's what this means, church. It means that to listen to the voice of the good shepherd, to be able to discern the voice of the good shepherd from other voices, we have to get deeply, deeply acquainted with the Bible. According to a recent LifeWay research report, only about one-third of regular church attenders, so they filtered out most of the nation, right? We're just talking about regular churchgoers. Only about one-third read their Bibles daily. About half read it more than once a week. And one in eight say they rarely, if ever, read the Bible. And according to a Christianity Today article, these numbers have actually gotten way worse since COVID. That since the pandemic, Bible reading numbers have plummeted severely. Their poll found that more and more people are reading their Bible less and less. And it's not as if the amount of voices clamoring for our attention is going away, right? It's only increasing. And so how are we going to follow the voice of Jesus if we're not positioning ourselves to hear from him? We've got to get into the word. 
We've, We've got to acquaint ourselves with the scriptures so that we know the overarching story of redemption from Genesis to Revelation, so that we know how it begins to fit together as one cohesive story of grace. We, we've got to acquaint ourselves with the covenants and, and the foundational doctrines, and we need to know the names of God and his mighty acts in history. And more than anything, we need to know Jesus, and we need to know his gospel. In May, Melanie and I celebrated 16 years of marriage. And the longer that I'm married to Melanie, the more I'm beginning, 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 right, to learn what she means when she says something. I'm no expert, right? But after 16 years, I'm, I'm beginning to pick up on what a tone means, right? And what's really intended by that phrase. It, it takes time to learn someone, right? It takes investment to really get to know someone. And, and friends, the, it's no different with Jesus. The, the longer you begin to spend time with Jesus in the word, the more it will begin to make sense to you. Maybe some of you, you read the scriptures and you're like, man, this doesn't make sense at all. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what this means. Aren't all relationships like that to some degree? Right? There, there are these moments where we're like, man, I don't know what they meant by that. But the more you spend time with someone, the more you begin to understand them. It's no different with, with Jesus. It's no different with our relationship With the word of God, the more we spend time with Jesus, the more his voice will become clear. But we've got to get ourselves into the book. We've got to get into the word. We've got to slow ourselves down for unhurried time with the master. To learn to say like young Samuel, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. To create space, to meditate And listen to what Jesus wants to say. To to ask the Spirit to illuminate the truth so that we hear the voice of Jesus. One key way that the Lord does this in our lives is through memorizing his word. So that the Spirit can draw those truths out like well water. As we we memorize scripture, these scriptures can be prompted by the Holy Spirit in critical moments. Memorizing scripture is like increasing the vocabulary of the Holy Spirit to speak into your everyday life. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And so the word studied and and stored up is, is a guiding light for our lives. As we give ourselves to Scripture, the Spirit illuminates the truth in our hearts and the voice of the Good Shepherd leads us out. And so maybe you're sitting in, in your seat this morning, you're going, man, the voice of Jesus just seems so distant to me. If his presence feels far removed, let me just, I'm just, I don't know. Could it be that you've neglected his word? Could it be that you've given your ear to other voices? Notice that when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, he's assuring us that he's calling. He's assuring us that he's speaking, that Jesus has not gone silent. He's speaking. Are you listening? 
Are you positioning yourself to hear from him? And so we've got to familiarize ourselves with the voice of Jesus by getting into the scriptures. But this passage calls us to something else as well. We not only need familiarity with his voice, but we need faith in his heart. We need faith in the heart of Jesus. Following the voice of Jesus means trusting that he is leading us to a good place, that he is for our good, that that he is the good shepherd who knows what is best for us and that we can trust him. One of the main reasons we're often tempted by other voices, uh, voices other than Jesus, is because they come offering us a quicker path to greener pastures. They, They give us a vision of the good life and promise it to us immediately. And so we compromise our faith in the name of expediency. We believe that this voice is is the voice of truth. It's going to get me to happiness. It's going to get me to peace. It's going to get me to joy quicker than Jesus can. So we abandon the voice of Jesus and we follow this other voice. Jesus says, be wary of thieves and hired hands who have the appearance of a shepherd, who seem to be leading us to a good place. They're going to end up harming, harming or abandoning us. And so how do we recognize thieves and hired hands? Jesus tells us a couple things here. One is that they come to us with a message that contradicts his word. The voice of Jesus never contradicts scripture. If you hear a voice rejecting or manipulating or editing the Bible, that's not Jesus talking. That's not Jesus talking. But Jesus says something else here as well. Verse 1, he says, Anyone who doesn't enter by the sheep pen of the gate, but climbs in some other way as a thief and a robber. Verse 9, he says, I am the gate. Anyone who doesn't enter by the gate, that's a thief. I'm the gate. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying that the clearest way to identify a thief is by their relationship with him. Thieves avoid Jesus. They bypass Jesus. Watch out for the voices who avoid Jesus. If you want to know if you can trust a voice, find out what they believe about Jesus. Find out what they think about the words of Jesus. 1 John 2.22, who is a liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Any voice that denies Jesus or dismisses the centrality of Jesus is a voice of someone who will ultimately lead you astray if you follow them uncritically. This includes individuals. This includes movements. This includes worldviews. This includes ideologies. This includes political parties. This includes podcast hosts. This includes seminary presidents. This includes pastors and gurus and spiritual experts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and to take every thought captive to Christ. We're to test every voice by comparing it to the voice of Jesus. And we're to renounce anything that contradicts his voice. Listen, if you undiscerningly hitch your wagon to an individual, to a news source, to a movement, you need to know that at some point 
It's going to ask you to choose between it and Jesus. You just need to know that. I don't care who it is. I don't care what channel it is. I don't care what party it is. You just need to know that if you undiscerningly hitch yourself to something other than Jesus, at some point it's going to ask you to choose. Justin Gibbon, he says, ideologies seek converts, and we must be equipped to contend for the faith and to avoid conversion to unbiblical value systems. Where you stand on the value of life or, or caring for the poor or on immigration or sexuality or abortion or morality, it needs to be determined by Jesus, not by party affiliation. Friends, our allegiance has to be to Christ. Our faith has to be in him and in his words. And what Jesus is telling us is that this is the path to life. Verse 10, a thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Jesus is saying that at the end of the day, you should trust his voice because he truly loves you. That social media influencer that you love to follow is making money off of every one of your clicks they don't really care about you. Your political party of choice isn't going to die for you. But Jesus is. And he'll rise for you. And he'll intercede for you. And he'll give you his peace. And he'll lead you to green pastures. And he'll give you eternal life. You can trust his voice. Even when what he says is culturally unpopular, when it doesn't fit the narrative, you can trust him. Even when his words are hard, he's worth following. I really waffled this week between preaching John 10 and John 6. Do you, do you remember what's going on in John 6? Jesus multiplies some barley biscuits and some sardines and feeds this massive crowd. And so... Later in the day, they come back to Jesus, or the next morning, they come to Jesus because they're wanting their, their bellies to be fed again. And Jesus says, you're coming to me for the wrong reason. The sign should actually be driving you to believe in me for more than barley biscuits. I'm the bread of life. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. Believe in me. Hard words of Jesus. And it says that the crowds walked away. And then Jesus looks at the twelve. And he says, do you want to do you, do you leave too? And Peter, in this poignant moment, looks at Jesus and goes, you know, honestly, Jesus, those were hard words. But where else would we go? Where else would we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. Friends, when you're tempted, when you're tempted by other voices, Voices that are making empty promises. Voices that seem easier to follow. Remember this. Where else would you go? Because Jesus has the words of eternal life. 
You can trust him. You can trust his heart. Give your ear to the good shepherd. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish. Just a few thoughts as we close in terms of application. I want to challenge us as a church to give ourselves to reading the Bible every day this week. What if you read your Bible every day this week? What if you made it a goal to read an entire gospel this week? I would suggest the gospel of John. If if you've fallen out of habit or maybe it's never been a habit with reading the Bible, I would just encourage you to read the gospel of John. What if we read the gospel of John this week? And what if we read our Bibles every day this week? As you come to God's word, let's learn to to say like young Samuel, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. God, I'm not just doing this routine. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you have to say to me. And so I'm asking you to speak, Lord. Send your Holy Spirit to help me understand. Give illumination so that I understand what you're wanting to say to me. And maybe even consider writing down what you think the Lord's saying. You start journaling your thoughts. Here's what I think the Lord is saying to me. Brett already gave this commercial earlier, but I'll give 2.0. If you're not in a city group, you know, what we do when we get together often is we just dynamically reflect on the sermon. We, we actually try to go deeper into God's word together and we ask these questions of application. Like, what do you think the Lord is saying to you? How do you hear the voice of God speaking to you through this text? That's, that's what happens when we get together in homes is we're actually chewing on the word together. And so if you're not in a city group, you're missing out on a key environment for you to listen to the voice of the good shepherd. Next month, we're going to launch men's and women's Bible studies. We're going to be in the book of Galatians this semester, and we're going to come to God's word and try to go deeper so that we understand and so that we hear Jesus speaking to us. I want to encourage you to be a part of a group. Get into a group. And here's the radical last thing, and this is for me this week. My wife's been in my ear, took the Holy Spirit, reaffirming what she's been saying. Let's consider a fast from social media or news to help us focus on the voice of Jesus. What if we put the phone down so that we could pick the Bible up? To create space in time, uninterrupted, to listen for the voice of Jesus. That's what I'm going to do this week. Putting social media away, picking my Bible up. Invite you to join me. Finally, if if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Jesus, there's some good news in verse 16 of this passage. It says this it says, I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. Maybe you're in the room this morning, you've never been a follower of Jesus, but this morning you feel like you hear the voice of Jesus calling you. 
Jesus says, I want to add you to my sheepfold. You can be my sheep. If you hear the voice of Jesus calling you this morning, come to him. Believe in him. He is God's son, Messiah, savior of the world, and he wants to be your good shepherd. Would you trust in him this morning? I'd love to talk with you about that. Brett and I will be available as we sing here in just a second. And if you need prayer or if you'd like to talk more about that, we'll just make ourselves available. But you respond as the voice of the good shepherd calls you. Let's pray together.